Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. So, one of the things I very much enjoy about uh, making this show is the wide differences in experiences and, um, and interests I get to hear from the guests. So today is a good example. After talking to Nana uh, during the last episode, we have a completely different type of artist with a very different kind of story. And that's nice because as an artist, I slowly start to realize there isn't really any uh, single way forward. There's no rule. There's no technique to quote unquote make it. So in that spirit, we have Todd James on the show today. To me, Todd is a really, really interesting artist because he's been able to straddle so many different worlds through his career. And I think that's something a lot of people are afraid to do, that it would somehow dilute their practice or confuse an audience. Todd does not seem to be afraid of that. So his credits are many, too many to list here. His skill is plentiful. So let's just uh, get straight to my talk with him. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hardcore history. That one's great. Are you a history person in general? Uh, I mean, I guess I never thought of it, but I like it. I can only imagine, I'm going to put you in a box here, that you, like a lot of us, did not really engage with high school in terms um, of learning. And... Yeah, I mean, in a, yeah, in a way. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I, I, I got fine now. grades. Yes. Right. Um, I got fine grades, but I didn't really understand what it was for, I guess. You know, the whole idea of university seemed very abstract to me. Right. And the building of that knowledge towards, I saw what real world jobs looked like. Right. And I just couldn't put it together. I couldn't see how that, how that, you know, worked. Well, I went to this high school called art and design. Ah. And, um, when you when you got into the school, there were there was like a auditorium. They filled everybody in on like the first day and like talked about like what you're going to do there. And then they were like, a third of you aren't going to graduate. And I just thought to myself, that's me. Like I'm really <laughs> one of those third. And and um, why did you think you were inspired? I just wasn't, enough, I wasn't like I wasn't like a. I just wasn't like a like school wasn't really my thing um although like looking back now it could have been but i just whatever it just wasn't and um it seems like the exact wrong age to go to high school in a way you know and, and so uh but I, in the art part of it i got like great grades mm -hmm. and and also you were they had like an animation class and some kind of like comics thing and but you didn't get to do that until like your two last years you're there. All right. But it was one of the schools designed for people who are more artistically it was, inclined. Yeah, it was, it was for, actually it was for like commercial arts, like, um, you know, illustration, animation, graphic design. So like we had a, we had a class that was, uh, three dimensional box 
built design. Mm. And like now I would find that interesting, but then it involved math. Like it's a, oh, you're going to build this oct- octagon box right. and then design the packaging. Like to me, that's interesting now. Then it was like dr- dreadful. And, yeah. um, so I feel like part of it has to do also with the fact that like, as we get older, we see what people can use knowledge for. You know what I mean? Right. Like you see cool people designing cool packages and you're like, shit, that's tight. I, I could, I, I can see how this works. Right. But in school, you're like, uh, right. It's just a bunch <laughs> of problems. And like, yeah, I have no idea like what, what, why I'm, why I'm here. But the, the one, the, the one cool thing about that school was, um, every, like you, it, it was like the graffiti writer, like Tons and tons of some of the most famous graffiti writers all went to art and design throughout the years. Mm. And so, like... And you were well aware of that. Um, I was aware of it, but but once I got there, then it it was it sunk in. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, actually, what, what I didn't know, and when it's when you go and take a test and you bring a portfolio and all this stuff. And so the first time I took the test because I didn't even get in the first time, um, was uh, they were like, who are your favorite artists? And, who, you know, I've never thought, I didn't really have thought about that. And I wrote down John Byrne, who drew, like, the X-Men <laughs> or whatever at, at that time. And then, like, I put Picasso because I was like, that's what they want here. <laughs> You're like, everybody knows him. And then I was like, but, who, like, who else is, like, and I wrote, like, TAC FBA, right? Who did the the Sab K's car and in, in, that's in Subware that I saw when it, it first ha- made it? But what I didn't know was that TAC FBA had just gone to the school. He was a student there like a year or two before. So of course they were like, "Oh shit!" And they so when they see this like type of thing, like they don't want more of these people. You know, they don't want more writers in their school. Like, oh, okay. So they actually actively were like, "No." I mean, I don't know if that's the reason, but I think it might have contributed to it. Yeah. Um, but I, but like looking back, because like I didn't, I didn't know then that he had gone there. Like I thought, I, I just didn't know. But it was funny that one of my, the people that I was idolizing, was only a few years older than me and had gone to this place where I was applying for. So there's that weird real life moment when you realize that people who do things you kind of you know, put up on a pedestal are just people and they're, you know, maybe a lot closer to you than you might think. Right, right. And that's the same kind of moment as when you realize that being an artist, whatever that means, is an achievable, you know, it, it's a, you can actually have a career. It's fucking hard. Right. But it's right. possible. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a weird thing when that happens, that switch happens. I don't know if that happened, like, in, in high school. Did you ever imagine that you would uh, go on in, uh, with arts? I knew, like, I didn't have it. Like, I don't think I had a choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's how I always, like, even when I was young, like, I always felt like this is what I'm going to do. Mm. I didn't really know how. Did anyone have a, a, was anyone there to explain to you steps you could take? I mean, when people would, when adults would tell me, like, the steps you yeah. could take, yeah. those, some of it sunk in, but a lot of times it was like, this isn't, like there was some part of it that um that I didn't 
fun, interesting. I just it went out the other ear. Yeah, like Spanish. You That's know, what it, I did. It, Spanish or, or like when you know you they would tell you like there's you know six times of, six types of stories you can tell, and you know whatever they are. And here's the rules. I'd be like. That's not true, but, <laughs> but it is sort of true. And if you follow these basic building blocks that you're being told by somebody older who, who knows, right. it's going to make your life easier. But sometimes you have to find out for yourself. Usually that's like how, how, how I've learned, like by being put into like learning on the job. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's definitely the case for me too. I, uh, I, you know, I actually ended up going to art school. Um, and, and, and I, I, it was a good experience for me, but I think I would have used it a lot better had I been, let's just say 30 instead of 21, right? because I would have been way more keyed for absorbing the kind of knowledge they were trying to pass on. Yeah. At that point I was a little more interested in like finding certain limits and, uh, you know, mess, I wouldn't say messing around, but you know, the, the structure of it wasn't exactly. Well, the the thing that like, uh, the the, one of the best things I, I feel like people get out of school is like meeting the other people mm-hmm. there who are into the same things that they're into at the same age. And then like later on, you cross paths with them or, you know, it's like your network or um, you find other people who are interested in, in, in these things. And um, that that's even if you're not absorbing what's going on in the classes if they're not all great or whatever Mm. like that is something strong that you can get out of it um so yeah watching people develop together with you is 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 kind of a a motivating factor too right because all these people have come there because they're serious about like whatever whatever they're going to school for Mm. at least most of them are. They've chosen to, to be there. So is that school a New York City school? It's a high school in New York City. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah uh, there's like there's there's um music and art, which was like what fame was based off of, and that's like the fine arts school. And then there was art and design, hmm. which didn't have any performing at all. Like there was no music. There was right. none of that. But right. uh, actually, a lot of like like I think the guys from Mob Deep came like there like a few years after me. Um, I've heard that a lot of actually rappers went to those schools. Yeah, yeah some of them did. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was a, a sick hub for it, but a couple did. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is those kids who just don't really fit into high school, and if you're lucky, there's a place for you to go that fits better. Right. Uh, I I was lucky that the high school I went to had a very you know, had a pretty strong investment into arts. Right. So it was a regular old public school, but there was fairly advanced departments for that, you know, and I could just get straight A's in ceramics, photography, 3D, <laughs> that whole thing, and just get straight C's and everything else and walk out of there with a B average, you know? Right. And then I, I went to, an, I ended up going to another high school afterwards, which is like your last stop, like in high, like called City As School. Yeah. That was called San Andreas, where I come from. I yeah, remember and that. And a lot of people went there. And, um, did you graduate? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> and um, actually, like, so you had internships, and um, one of the internships I had was at Marvel. Mm. So, like, I worked there for a semester, and that was right near the summer. So then they hired me to work for money during the summer, and, and that was cool. And oh, basically, like, I Xerox stuff. You'd Xerox like the X Men. Or like whatever, 
the like you'd make copies and bring it around their whole office and to like the legal department to all the editors and um that was cool yeah that was in 87 and i imagine that's one of those things where you can see a glimpse of what is like well, working outside of these things we've been told all the time to get jobs in right you can see how how that all works totally 100 percent. and when they pay you for it the first time you get a job getting paid to work comic books is a good example You're just yeah kind of like what the fuck people can actually get paid to do this well yeah i mean i knew um i knew that people got paid for doing different like kinds of art things uh, because i grew up in lower manhattan so but it was being inside of a mechanism where mm-hmm. you saw how how it worked how, how these places operate or whatever Right, which could be both disillusioning and also very exciting. Yeah, like even being there, like I, I was like, well, I, at that point, I didn't really have an interest in making comics. Mm. Like I, I, but I was psyched, psyched to be there because I liked it. Um, right, it sounds like you were fairly interested in comics. Uh, I was more, in, I was more into like animation, and I did like comics. But by that, by by that time, I was like around seventeen, and it wasn't. I wasn't like collecting them really, like, mm. but it was cool to be around it. Um, and uh, I mean, they were always an influence, like all that stuff. Like I love comics and animation and TV and, and all that. Mm. So what happened afterwards? How did you uh, kind of uh, start coming coming to on your own? I guess. You uh, I well, I guess like the first thing I got like. The first thing I got paid for was like doing a Beastie Boys logo, which was like this Brooklyn Dust. It said Brooklyn Dust Music. It had an elephant in the center and uh, like getting high on a couch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did it with a friend of mine who did all the like the type part of it. And he was like, I want you to draw this thing the way you draw like, you know, these cartoons and characters and stuff. So we did that. And then I was like, okay, like... I can do this. Like we can, cause he was like, yeah, we're going to start like a graphic design company. And like uh, some older guys, uh, say, and this guy Hayes, were already doing like public enemies, like logo at Def Jam. And, uh, like, uh, Hayes did that and say was doing, he was like their in-house art director. So you were close enough to that sort of thing. Well, those guys all like, like I knew them. They were all, I mean, I knew say, and I knew, I knew of Hayes and mm-hmm. like Def Jam was near my house. So like, all that stuff like happened near me. And so that's that was like a sl- like what I did for a while. Right. And there you can see again that real life example of how it can work. And I guess it's also a matter of if you're close enough you can have access, you know, you can propose things to people. Well, that's what I did. Like if I liked a group um I'd find a way to contact them. And, and since uh, like we had done the logo for the source magazine too. And so I, I was friends with all of the, you know, editors there and I would do illustrations. So I would like approach my friend, Matt life and be like, yo, I like, you know, mob deep or whoever, like, let me know if they need artwork or. Mm. And that shit actually worked. Yeah. In a way. I mean, yeah, making, yeah. A, making a logo for the beastie boys and the source, those are, those are names everybody knows. So right, you're already right. on well, the map. Well, that helped. Like when I would, you know, put like send my work out. Like you would send like a portfolio out. Did you take slides? Remember slides back in the day? Yeah, you know, but like <laughs> what I do remember is this was key. <laughs> you, 
we would give like actual illustrations in. You'd send them, you'd give them to the place, the original, and they'd wow. give it back to you like a month later after they shot all the, they would shoot it, you know, the magazine on film or whatever. Sure, sure. And like, I was, I had like a computer at some point early on, and so did the art director of the source. And uh, I remember emailing him a illustrator file an illustration done in Illustrator and I emailed it to him and I was like did you get it? and he's like yeah it's here like, is that it? and he's like yo that's it He's like, I was like so wait I don't, we don't have to do anything else Like, and he's like no he's like actually I want you to do three more <laughs> illustrations right now for this issue <laughs> and it was the first time I never physically brought like artwork somewhere or had it sent somewhere. Yeah. It was just like sent and it was, it didn't feel right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember those days of like getting packaging, you know, you'd get like a portfolio box and be like, yeah, this one's yeah, tight. To, I'm going to show this. Like, I had, the one. Yeah, but like, like I had a, like a, like a case that had, and it was like a presentation. Yeah. Those days are gone. I still have like a whole binder full of slides of artworks that I used to send off to schools and various things, you know, and then that just stopped. Like all the things that, that I was learning in art and design was like ruling pens and like you'd bring rulers and all this stuff to school. And it was only a few years before all those things were now just gone, completely outdated. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And that gen, like now there's a whole generation that just don't, you know, that switch is completely lost. Like, I don't understand at all what, what, you know, the kind of physicality or like the hoofing it. You'd be right. like, all right, should I mail it or should I just go there? Right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like going up and like finding some secretary and being like, here you go. There it is. Right. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cover letters and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's totally, it's a different, uh, it's like a, a different time. So for good and evil, both. You yeah. Know? But, um, but what happened? Because you didn't seem to particularly end up going down that path. I imagine when it first no, happened. I did. I did for like a while. And um, I was doing like, you know, that and working and doing graphics and animation and, you know, cartoons and stuff like that. When um, you say working, were you also working, you know, doing just money jobs to get by? No. You were able to put it together through I mean, illustration. Yeah. And, and, um, like, okay, one, one, this is funny. Uh, at one point I had like no money, right? Like I had no money and, um, I was like, holy shit, like, how am I going to like pay my rent? And, um, a friend of mine, Marcus Rayboy, who was like a video director, uh, I used to just, he'd be like, come, I'll pay you, you, you know, paint the background of like the videos. Like he did headbanger and like you know, with like Red Man and UPMD and he had budgets. Like we did a, yeah, yeah, he had, I mean, this was when you'd get paid much, like, like real money to do videos. Yeah. So like I would do that stuff for him. And so like, I'm, I'm like, oh man, I, I need, I'm, I'm gonna like have trouble this month though. So I'm looking through the one ads and like, I see like airbrush artist like wanted in Queens. And I, <laughs> I pick up and I call this place and they're like, can you do like realistic like eyes and stuff. Yeah. I can't, that, that was really, it wasn't exactly my forte, but I was like, yeah, why? And they're like, well, we need you to come in and paint religious statues. 
and like they need to look realistic and i was like okay i'll see you like i'll come through monday or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. and then this guy my friend marcus calls me and he's like like two hours later he's like hey i've got this like I've got this thing i don't want to tell you what it is because i'm not sure if it's going to happen but let me call you back and, and he calls me back like two hours later he's like all right i got this nintendo commercial and um they want it to be graffiti and like i think you're actually going to be able to be in the commercial um so come over and we're going to like work on this pitch and we got we did and like at one point when we were producing this commercial we had permission to paint the brooklyn bridge but like the the terms were um you'd have to be able to guarantee that it was cleaned off i mean i didn't like the idea of being able being allowed to do that was cool but the reality was you couldn't really paint like the the way it's built like the stone Mm. it's not a good wall but like but so we did this commercial and um i was in it and like it was pretty epic and it was for super game boy and uh is that shit on youtube or what it, it is it is on youtube and like ODB is the voiceover with the RZA and Prince Paul made the music. For a Nintendo Game Boy, that's tight. Yeah, and so, like, it never aired, oh. right? It never aired because this was, like, at a weird time where, like, there were some commercials, but it was when, like, uh, marketing, they didn't fully understand. It was, you It was know, a little too early, perhaps? It was, there was, yeah, it was just slightly too early. And, um, like, at one point, Nintendo wasn't on board even though they had paid for it and everything. And then at the second time around, I think it was that like the networks or whoever's in charge of television, you know, what how what gets aired, um they weren't having they it. weren't they weren't interested in it either. And but the but the Nintendo was. It was like mm. a switch each right. time. Yeah. So it must have been like early nineties or what? And that's how, that's how I bought like my first computer. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of the life of a freelancer. You get these like wild swings, you know. Yeah. And every once in a while, you're just like, yeah, I just got paid. You yeah. Know? But then you don't know when it's going to come around next time. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then for a while, um, around that, a little, you know, a couple years later, after doing, you know, lots of graphic design and you know, cartooning and illustration work. Um, I started thinking about like, you know, doing art, art shows. Cause like, it's, I suppose Steve Powers, um, mm-hmm. he moved near me and like, we kind of knew each other from bumping into each other. It like, I think it like future had this studio near, near where I lived and, and, as, and Steve was selling like on the go ads, a magazine, his zine that he made. And so we like connected and like we were living near each other and we'd run into each other and, uh, and we were talking about like ideas and this is like, right. Like Barry was kind of Barry and, and cause were like doing like little shows and started to pop up. Yeah. Did you have any sort of relationship with, uh, let's just quote unquote, art world, formal art world before that? Like, what um, is it that kind of drew you in? Well, my dad had moved to New York to become an artist. Ah, uh, so, what kind? Like a fine artist. Yeah. Wow. But, so yeah. he had a background in it. Too. Right, right. My parents, like, my mom did graphic design. So I knew 
about um, a little bit. You know, I knew more about graphic design and how that world worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I knew plenty of other people growing up, like who. So you had had access. You had gone to art openings. You yeah, yeah. I went to a lot. Of, I mean, I went to tons of like art openings in Soho in the early days and stuff. Yeah, sure. Right, because it feels like that's that's also the kind of. But like, I wasn't. I I kind of wasn't interested in it. It just didn't connect. It didn't click. It didn't like make sense for me. It mm-hmm. didn't make sense to me. What do you think the difference was? What happened as you grew older that that kind of brought you in there? I, you know, what it was. It was just that like I started to have ideas for what what that would you know what i would do for that right you started to have context yeah well i imagine you maybe got a little bit you saw the limitations of what what doing graphic design and illustration no it wasn't that no it wasn't even that it was just like okay like i'm starting to have like ideas for what this could be Mm. and um had you been painting or making works on paper the whole time i mean not in the same way i mean yeah i was making my own stuff you know, always, but, um, it wasn't with any intent of like putting it out there yeah, like that or not in that way. So that's one of the things that really interests me is how people get into this context, the context of, of, of art in this level, you know? And, right. and I think the freedom of it is often what attracts people, you know? Yeah. It wasn't that. <laughs> and like, <laughs> It wasn't that because even like, all right, so, so me and Steve uh, hung out a lot and then we were bouncing all these different ideas and which became street market. Right. And he, he pitched the idea to uh, this guy, Alex Baker, who was a curator in Philly who he knew. And like, um, we had, we hadn't even thought about it. Like maybe like, maybe it was like a year or like. It was some time, amount of time that you could forget. It's like, yo, we got a grant to make this thing. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, yo, we, we got, we, you know, we got, you know, he's going to give us, this guy is going to help us get the money for and It's going to be in this museum, in, in the ICA in Philly, in Philly. So I'm like, oh, shit. And so then we got to work on, like, how we're going to do it. and Then it becomes real. And then it became real. And, um, and then it snowballed and like, well, like I guess at the opening in, in Philly, like, uh, Steve talked to Jeffrey Deitch or Barry or somebody and he was like, Hey, maybe we could bring this to New York. And then, uh, that took a while to get like an answer as it does. <laughs> and, and like, I did know like one, one person um, through a friend of mine, I knew Andrea Rosen and she, and we went, well, we, we showed her what we had done in Philly and told her that like Jeffrey might be interested in doing it. And she was like, well, you know, just let him know that you're not looking for like a long-term commitment from him. Like that you, that, you know, you, you're, you, you guys want to, you would love to do the show and, um, and, 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 and that's great. And, and that's what we did. That sounds like a dreamy, like, you know, like, like it doesn't usually happen that way. You know, like we're so used to the idea of like living in a shitty, you know, attic and just well, I mean, cranking away all the time. I mean, that happened too. <laughs> like early on, like that happened too. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you kind of have have to have a low overhead uh, early on. And um, and it's also about finding a wave and then trying to ride it, right? So. But also, like, you, you know, there's no, like, shot to the top. Like, that wasn't even, like, it, it was like an up and, you know, it's been like a wavy road. It's always a wavy road. It's never, like, like I remember after we did, when we did the show, and then the show from Deitch went to Venice, and I, and to the Venice Biennale. Which is a shot to the top, in a way, under certain parameters, right? Right, I mean, but it felt like that, and then after that, like, it, it just leveled for a minute. Crickets. <laughs> but, but then I started working on this TV show called Crank Anchors, and I <laughs> designed all the puppets for it. Which is a right turn, in a way. Right, right. no, it was awesome. Hmm. And, um, and so I was living in, in California, and like, working in a Hollywood, like, lot. Did you pinch yourself every once in a while and just be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I was just, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. How did that come and so, about? So what was cool about that was I was able to say no to bad things and to like, you know, kind of like ride it out. That's good power. Being able to just not have to jump on everything. Yeah. And you were able to recognize that you yeah. know, when it was a bad, mm-hmm. bad deal. Yeah. But how did the TV show come about? The TV show came about because I had pit, I pitched a another show at Comedy Central with some friends of mine that I worked with and um, left we left the drawing behind and so Jimmy Kimmel who produced Crank Anchors was looking for people to build puppets and he saw the drawing because he didn't like the puppet uh, makers designs or whatever or whoever he was looking at and he's like, I want this guy to draw, design our puppets. That's so wild. And so what I didn't know <laughs> is that there's like an insular world of puppet making. And like when we first start, like I would, I would first started working with them, I would design all these puppets and they'd, and they'd be like, well, they can't have big mouth. They can't have small mouths. Because the puppet puppeteers like w- it makes it harder for them to do it, but like the producers were like, these puppets look better with the small mouths. This it wasn't all of them, but it was like there were some girl puppets that had like little mouths mm-hmm. and some other characters that you know. And so they were kind of like, who's this? Guy? That was the vibe. I was like, who's why is this guy like? Right, he didn't work his way in. Right, right, right. right. Well, and, and also him? like it, it, like. Certainly, I wasn't a puppeteer. It wasn't. It wasn't as bad as like being a puppeteer. But like, they have. Um, they were super cool. Like, um, there's there's guys who are like the the secondary and third, uh, like Kermit's. Like, there'll be a main guy, but if he's sick, there's like a second guy. But to become that second guy is a lot. Takes years. Yeah. No. No. Seriously. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. that's wild yeah but it was awesome and then like I you know eventually like we all like you know, that was like for maybe the first season and by the second season like we all knew each other and mm-hmm. cool right and then you had a working process right we totally did yeah mm-hmm. it's funny because like I kind of grew up on that show I was just the perfect age for that when it came around you know but I never once thought about there's somebody who designs these puppets right but I was like these puppets are tight you know I don't even know if I was that conscious of it but the whole thing was just like this is tight I like this yeah you know and you don't 
again, it goes back to the idea that like at some point you realize like all these choices, all these decisions, all this design goes back to people who are, you know, struggling to get it going or whatever they're doing. Well, all the people, all the puppet people have been for like, like in summer, I think most of them had at some point worked at Henson for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, there must be limited opportunities in the puppet world too. Yeah. It's, I think it was very much like a, you know, very structured in like how you moved up the ranks there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, do you feel in a certain way that that's been the story of your career kind of moving in sideways into things that are systemized? Yeah. A little bit. Cause it sounds a little bit like in terms of the art world too, you yeah. come in yeah. from the side door. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? What do you think has done that? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, because there's a certain amount of luck, and then there's a certain amount of uh, well, I mean, I dogged def determination, and right. Um, and it's a, it's like weird. It's, it's a little, it's a definitely all of it, you know. And of course, talent. Because if you, I mean, I right. have one thing I've learned. I, I teach sometimes young people. Mm -hmm. One thing I tell them is like, you really have to concentrate on making good work because no matter how bad you fuck up the the, the proper way to network or whatever the whatever you want to call the normal channels, right. if you're making good work, people will see that, right? You know, and that's the thing. Like maybe someone's like, "Fuck you! You didn't go the puppet route that you're supposed to go." But like, doesn't matter. You made some tight ass puppets, and that's what they wanted, and that's all that counts, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I made the drawings, and then they would build them. Sure. But, like, and that is what brought me there. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the migration into the art world after Venice, you know, so, you did, or after the show? I, I mean, there were other shows and, um, like, you know, other things after that, and uh, there was a lot of, like, a lot of, like, people wanting, like, oh, can you guys build, do, do another installation, like, something, or... Just because of the wave off of uh, yeah, off and, of that project. I mean, we did a, you know we did a bunch of other shows. We did we did something at the at the Tate Liverpool for like a biennial there, and right like right after and but like there was like airports in Germany like <laughs> <laughs> like um, the world famous airport shows. <laughs> well, I mean, it could have been cool. Like uh, actually, I don't know. Certain there was just a bunch of stuff, and uh, and I. I think like yeah, what happened like while while I was like after like street market happened and then right after that crank anchors and also like beautiful losers were going on while crank anchors was going on and there's always like something going on right beautiful losers to me at least was kind of a, a moment where you start realizing oh there's a whole different you know world I grew up in the Bay Area so I knew I knew Barry as Twist right but I didn't know him in a book or an art oh you know, okay uh, and did, did is, you know Chris Johansson and stuff not until later to be honest there was this other thing that we did in like 2001 in Japan it's called Untitled 2000 and um, this Japanese brand brought over like Barry, me, Steve, Chris Johansson, Mark Gonzalez, and like Phil Frost, um, and a bunch of other people. And I'm I, I'm sorry that I'm forgetting everybody right now, but like they brought over everybody and their significant others. And like, I don't know how much money they must have. <laughs> it was crazy. Like in Shibuya, there's a parking lot right near the Sega um, like video game center 
and it's prominent real estate. And they rented it out and they bought Barry cars and he painted them and did a smash up derby there. And above it, they bought the billboard. And then they had put everybody in a museum and like, I ended up like in, in like the Keith Haring Foundation. Like they, I don't know how much money that costs. It probably cost a couple of, it was couple a of yen there. It was awesome. It was an awesome trip. Sure. Yeah. And also we did street market in Japan too mm. while we did like a miniature version of it in, in this place called Parco. Does that sort of like, that sort of experience, does that reinforce the idea that you are in the right place? You know, that you're going like, you say this is... A- well, it, it reinforces that like you had a good idea. <laughs> Somebody likes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it turned out that, you know, the whole, the, yeah, the Beautiful Losers book was, you know, that exhibition was a smash hit. Uh, it was made into a, a documentary. Was, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I liked I liked the group. I liked the, 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 the like, shows, like, um, and uh, the group of people. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's sort of like... It's been a dip and dive, like, you know, almost like all of a sudden you're working on TV. Like, uh, there's no straight trajectory, at least, like, I don't know, maybe some people. But even then, like, I'm sure it looks that way to, from the outside, but it's, it's never just a straight road to anything. Yeah, and that is that that thing about the dogged determination because I think people unfairly credit a lot of it to luck, which certainly plays a role. But there is the no, idea you, you gotta like like you have to put in the effort, and you have to ride out the hard parts because there is that dip. It comes always, and it can come again. You know, right? And you're just kind of like, uh, you know, there are those moments, just like you said, where like, how the fuck am I gonna pay the rent? Right? How is this gonna work? Right? You know? And you're desperately well, looking. If you, even like some of the top artists at the top of their career, like something happens and they, there's a bump in the road of some sort and then maybe they figure it out. Like, I know that that happens. Yeah. So, you know, you're right. It can happen at any time to anybody. Yeah. And it's hard because art, you know, there's that question of like, is how much of uh, is art life and how much is it a separate career? My wife is always like, you're working on your career. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm not really, you know, it seems more connected to real I feel life. Like, I feel like the word career comes after you've finished it. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Like you look, you're looking back at what happened. Yeah. Cause it's life until then. It's someone calling you and being like, guess what? Free trip to Japan. We're going to smash up some cars. Right. That's life. That's not a career. That's some shit that happens. Yeah, I, I, or maybe it's just that I don't like to. I don't know. I, I never like to talk about. I don't. I, I mostly don't like to talk about things before they've happened. Mm, good call. You know what I mean? Like, just focus on it and like uh, the actual process, and then talk about it when it's done. Mm. Well, I mean, what. I mean, I'm curious as a, as a person who didn't go up through some of the more traditional routes. How do you how do you deal with uh, what I like to call the art mafia? You know, because it is an insider world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You don't know. You yeah. just do it. Yeah, I mean, like I'm friends with some people. You know, I don't know. It's not really an important part of it. No, I mean, maybe it is. I I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's tough because that's a part of the thing again with teaching is like trying to tell people how to handle 
that sort of thing. And in a way, it's kind of like, well, some of the best examples are people who just fucking went for it. You know, there isn't there isn't set rules. Necessarily. Yeah, no, there's no set rules. But that's a hard thing to stomach, or at least to like. Well, I mean, there's work. rules. There's rules, but like, um, <laughs> there's no set rules. Right. You know. Um, and like, if you don't have another way to, you know what I mean? If you, you just have to like try or I don't, I don't know. Be, I don't know. It's a process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That is, that's a, such a hard thing about teaching. Right. And it probably goes back to what we we're talking about. They're trying to tell you something and you're like, what? I don't know. You know, and like that is something you figure out on your own. You can't learn it. You can, someone can tell you about it, maybe prepare you, but you got to eat your balls. You got to like, like, like really want it want like be into what you're doing you, know, you have to love what love doing yeah. you know whatever it is you do um, you always hear people it's just true you know what I mean like uh, if you know musicians or anybody musicians artists uh, most of them most of most people who um, get you just they've done it because they want to do it you know it's just, just I don't know it's not an accident no that they wanted to do it they really like they were focused mm. well in terms of your paintings I mean well I guess I kind of want to talk about this show too I was introduced to your work back in 2008 uh, with these with these really wild paint on paper works right super colorful and and like I don't know. I guess I'm just curious about about that process because it seems like a lot of the stories you tell are other things, but this maybe is a little more your own thing. These paintings you make with the new ones, or yeah, the or ones? just the stuff I've seen since 2008, basically because oh. they've gone in a, in a line. You know, you're you're building off of your old paintings right. up until now. Um, well, those at that time were like all you know, on the news. It was all like you know. Now it's so crazy. It was like the Gulf War, like the second one. Yeah. So, uh, I made a bunch of stuff that was like really cartoony. Um, the war. And yeah. It was like naked women. It was like blood. Yeah, and Yeah. 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 Like cheerleaders or sort of like, a, uh, yeah. And that's just because that shit was being pounded into your brain and that's what you were thinking about. It was whatever was like, coming through the news and like out through my whatever filter mm. in my head yeah it's funny because that work to me is yeah like you say it's very news-based but at the same time it's not necessarily political in a weird way you've managed to really keep it more like storytelling than overtly political even though it's a very political subject in a lot of cases. yeah i don't know i, I, I guess it wasn't like specific you mm. know what i mean like it wasn't like illustrating an event like like a specific event but it was um about the climate at the moment or right there's no nowhere does it say shock and awe or george w or anything like that i don't think so yeah i didn't say yeah, yeah you know and that what about the i mean had you always worked this colorfully has that been the style i mean i use it's funny because like i did when i wrote when i used to do graffiti um, uh, I did, yeah. So it's, it's come back to like uh, earlier t time. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's sort of come back around 
like I there was a time before that before those paintings and stuff where I totally did yeah so this, it's not really new it's just new here right yeah. right and that speaks to context again but what about I mean what about these new works compared to these old ones how do you see the process of getting here well all right so like the other ones were with like gouache on paper and then they had graphite like pen, pencil like mm. outlines and then as time went on like I started losing the outlines because like I, I wasn't going to use the pencil on here anymore like it didn't work the same didn't look the same mm. so they like lost their outlines and then they started to add, you know get more abstract I guess right and as I look at a painting closely I can see actually how much work it was you know because often they appear very cartoony and wild and flowy and like something you might have made very fast right. but i can see if i look at it closely nope those are very specific tight lines you know you, right th this took a lot of time yeah it took a decent amount of time yeah um but what do you i mean why i, I know it's a, it's a pretty dumb question in a way but why paint why why stretch uh, onto canvas and paint i don't know <laughs> fair enough fair enough you don't have to have a reason for everything yeah no I, I don't but it seems to happen right I mean you, you've moved into this and it yeah. has something which attracts you to it I mean I like doing it um good enough for me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I do other things too like I I made like an animation um I did kind of want to build like a mobile in here with like wood stuff but I'm gonna do it later yeah. <laughs> um cause time just fucking piles on and... are you just following your nose like you just, you just this sounds interesting yeah do you trust your instincts on this or do you doubt it I mean I a little bit of both like doubt like my, my doubt come from like if I'm using some new material that I haven't like gotten 100% comfortable with so I don't know how to like make it do what I want it to do 100% because I like to be able to um like just kind of like go on autopilot and like let my you know and, and I don't want to have to think about learning how to use something right so that's where doubt, doubt comes in where I'm like this isn't doing what like I'm not making this how this isn't coming out I want coming out how I want mm -hmm. but you didn't doubt the choice to go there. but 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 then you just like what I do is like I'll do tests like I'll do it I might not show it and I might even show it sometimes I have <laughs> sometimes something but um you just get you just have to do like this is gonna whatever I'm just gonna say it like when I used to when you do graffiti you know it's not gonna last right like you do something and you know like this might have a week. It might, I never see this again, probably. Maybe never. So, like, doing things, it, it, it makes, uh, it made, like, the process of making stuff not so precious. So, it, it helped me to uh, just kind of, you know, do it. Don't get too hung up on it. Some things are going to come out great. Some things aren't. It ain't all that serious. I mean... It's it, it could be serious, but you just have to. You can't. You're never gonna. If you hold back too much, it's gonna. It could. It could help things from coming out. 
it can be mightily confusing too if you're double you know if you're trying to think it through all of the time yeah uh, it's one of my problems i have a problem with bouncing ideas around in my head for you know six months and thinking i've got a completely full-formed idea and then i open my mouth and tell someone to realize oh shit i'm only like eight percent through this idea right you know and that's the thing is like how do you translate those sort of things but i think having oh shit it's snowing oh shit uh i think having having the uh the 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 ability just to go for it and or not even ability but the drive to just go for it will lead you places and it seems like that's in a lot of ways where what you've always done you've just gone for it and then things come up yeah and you make that work yeah whether it's making puppets for a tv show or right. painting on the wall and hanging right. in the gallery right yeah cool man yeah well i think that's about it do you think we covered it i think that's good thanks man thank you for your time appreciate it thanks man thanks for having me absolutely all right And thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by Saberlike. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our Nintendo commercial of a website, culturalbandwidth.com. If you do like the show, we would appreciate it if you would take the time to leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find us. Thank you so much for joining us.